Welcome to the podcast. I'm Bruce Moll from Commonwealth Magazine, and I'm joined remotely from his Burlington office by Chris Anderson, the president of the Massachusetts High Technology Council. Chris and his organization are among those pushing back against the need for a major new transportation revenue bill. Welcome to the podcast, Chris. Hey, Bruce. It's great to be with you today. Let's set the stage. It's the middle of November. House leadership wanted to pass a transportation revenue package before the legislature recesses for Thanksgiving, so time is running short. No package has emerged yet, and the Speaker told one of Commonwealth's reporters on Wednesday to stay tuned on whether a bill will cross the finish line this week. What do you hear, Chris? Well, I think the legislative leadership is listening to a lot of the perspectives uh, that us, we and others have been providing them. Um, The key is a pending transportation bond bill that has a nearly $20 billion five-year spend and includes a revenue component that would be targeted at some uh, environmental benefit. I think that is uh, the message that's causing the House to think about the timing of when they take up what otherwise looks like uh, a rush to judgment on a gas tax bill. So you think they're trying to decide whether to back off until maybe next year to have this fuller debate? I think if the leadership waits until January, there'll be a much better opportunity to Uh, assess where the governor is in amassing support for this uh, 11 or 12 state compact on the uh, congestion tax. And I think uh, there'll be a more opportunity for the uh, folks making these decisions on the policy front to assess the potential negative impacts of a gas tax on particularly border communities and uh, races that might be contested uh, in in the 2020 general election. So I've sort of said you're leading the charge or among the groups pushing back against a major revenue package. Just explain sort of what the High Tech Council is for and what it's against. Sure. The council is really trying to keep the state's private economy that's been robust now for years uh, strong and on the move. Um, You know, since 2010, the uh, state wage and salary growth has been up uh, or seen an increase of $90 billion. That's generating uh, a very low unemployment rate, uh, as low as I think 3% uh, in July, this past July. And more importantly, a strong private economy is generating uh, plenty of tax revenues. Uh, and the two points that I keep referring to, Bruce, are uh, a 20 or a two point, almost a $2 billion uh, increase uh, this past fiscal year in state tax revenue collections over a year ago, and a 60% increase in state tax revenue collections uh, in the past 10 years. So as we think about challenges for, you know, pick an area, education, transportation, housing, the question is, do we have a shortage of revenue or do we have some other impediment that's uh, getting in the way of efficient delivery of, of real solutions? We believe that we don't have a revenue problem given the stats that I just cited. We believe that the uh, constraints on deploying more revenues more quickly to targeted transportation projects that will ease the life of many commuters in Massachusetts is the first and uh, most important priority, not a gas tax. And the only thing I'll add, just to sort of give it a context, of the uh, roughly 
18 to $20 billion that the Commonwealth has identified as available resources for spending over the next five years. Uh, if we double that number to 40 billion, we're still probably gonna spend about 20 billion because the capacity at the Department of Transportation is con constrained. A gas tax is gonna add 500 million, 700 million, uh, and it's not gonna dent any of the uh, solutions that will make a meaningful uh, difference to the commuters. Now, you, you mentioned the gas tax, but that is only one of many proposals that are floating about. There are also uh, statewide tolling proposals, uh, fees on, higher fees on ride shares. Are you opposed to those as well? Again, I don't think we have a revenue challenge, so I'm, I'm not sure why uh, certain advocates are pushing revenue solutions. Um, <clears throat> you know, the, the biggest danger we have, Bruce, is convincing uh, people who use transportation systems that they need to pay more, whether at the pump or on the roads. Uh, and if, if the uh, argument or logic is now shifting from we need more money to create more solutions to we want to create a higher cost to change people's behavior, I think that's going to run into a buzzsaw. Unless we optimize, for example, uh, meaningful improvements in public transportation. Uh, and a small example is the commuter rail. If, if we can't have somebody ride the commuter rail with confidence that their cell phone call won't drop or that their internet connection uh, won't be interrupted, we're really not going to succeed in convincing people uh, to change their uh, transportation uh, patterns. Uh, let's take that then. Uh, you're, you're, you mentioned commuter rail. Um, and that is just one of many areas of our transportation system that uh, people are calling for dramatic changes in the way it operates, uh, some of which would be extremely expensive, you know, electrifying the commuter rail, more frequent service, uh, all of which would seem to uh, spur people to get on the train to, to use it, it would seem, or at least that's the theory. But that costs a lot of money. And the, even despite the higher revenues you're talking about, the Baker administration is only sort of planning the early tentative steps of this, you know, admittedly 20, 30 year transformation of that system. It sort of sounds like what you're saying is we need to proceed deliberately and incrementally to make these changes. Others are saying, no, we need to be a more dramatic uh, and think bigger over it's, again, not immediately, but over a 20, 30 year span. Yeah. First of all, I agree that taking a, a next generation view of what our transportation system ought to look like is way overdue. Um, I don't think we start raising taxes to fund something that isn't uh, clearly identified uh, or has a uh, sort of traditional plan on how we're going to go achieve it over time. The, um, the fact is that the transportation funding discussion uh, can't be viewed in isolation. And I'll just mention two frameworks that the High Tech Council's aware of. So one, you've got a, a quick sidebar on a major commitment the legislature is making in public education, I think 1.7 billion over the next seven years. They don't need a new tax source for that. And the Senate president has identified the strong economy uh, and keeping a strong economy uh, an essential part of that funding plan, because as I mentioned at the top here, the strong private economy is generating a ton of revenue. Uh, similarly, you have this uh, 
uh, pending potential change to the Massachusetts Constitution that will uh, embed taxes into the Constitution on a certain class of taxpayers, ostensibly to fund education and transportation. There's a major policy disconnect between uh, the proposals that are headed perhaps to you know, a change of the Constitution for voters to decide and policies currently being decided by the legislature on the topic of education that they admit doesn't require a new tax source. Um, so I think adding yet another series of taxes, whether they're gas taxes or congestion tolling, uh, without a legitimate plan um, or without the proponents being able to answer specifically what this new money is going to be used for is uh, putting the proverbial cart ahead of the horse. But you do support the governor's uh, transportation climate initiative. Is Am I hearing that correctly? Yes. Uh, a multi-state uh, tax, in this case, it's a wholesale uh, tax uh, on gas, uh, would be preferable for a couple of reasons. One, Massachusetts isn't acting alone. It would minimize border hopping uh, into New Hampshire or other states for lower gas prices. Uh, and, and secondly, the, the money would be specifically targeted for an environmental benefit, reducing transportation-related uh, carbon emissions. I think that's a critical uh, objective that makes terrific sense, and it's clearly uh, and tangibly identified. It's not amorphous uh, like some of the other uh, Massachusetts transportation uh, agenda topics that are floating around. And that's why the council supports the uh, TCI uh, tax. Amorphous. Uh, when Talk a little bit more about that, because, uh, again, I agree that there is no there's at least the legislature hasn't outlined yet. We're going to raise these revenues to do these initiatives. And, you know, specific A to Z type drawing the line between the two. But they are um, they are making the case for for new revenues for transportation initiatives that presumably would reduce congestion and address a lot of environmental problems by getting people out of their cars and uh, making the, our transportation system run more efficiently. I, I guess I'm a little sense of, you know, one, one the TCI is a gas tax dressed up as a different name, and yet you're opposed to gas tax and other fees that would do the same thing, but maybe in a different way. That's what I'm hearing. What, what am I not hearing? Well, let me restate why we support the, the tax um, in the transportation bond bill. Uh, it's specific, it is a gas tax. It will be a tax only implemented in concert with uh, 11 or 12 other states in the Northeast. And it's specifically targeted for an identified environmental purpose of reducing transportation uh, related uh, environmental emissions. The rest of the uh, stuff that you mentioned, Bruce, there's, there's a huge menu of uh, a variety of uh, new tolls, gas taxes, uh, uh, ride sharing taxes uh, that are you know, the first mover, but there's no plan behind uh, what those revenues theoretically would support. And if, again, as I mentioned, if the design of those uh, new taxes is to change people's behavior, you've got to first come up with a realistic and believable plan to improve uh, or expand service on existing 
uh, or new public transportation options. And that includes optimizing the, uh, the efficiency of the system that's currently in place. Look, taking a, a, a next generation view, our system is uh, archaic and we need to be thinking broadly. I think if we could expand project capacity, both for the MBTA and for uh, the transportation department regarding roads and bridges, so that we could spend more than $20 billion in five years, if we could double that and, or you know, uh, spend 20 billion in two and a half years, I think you'd find uh, a lot of the business community now then or then unifying around ways to uh, drive more revenue into these solutions. And some of them are road and bridge repair for sure, uh, but some of them are uh, the next generation of the way we envision how we move around uh, Massachusetts. So just to be clear, you're, you're saying uh, your objection is primarily that there is no direct link between why are you raising this money and what are you going to do with it? It's sort of raising money and then it's a little amorphous what is going to be done with the money. Is, is, that, is that your chief concern? Uh, yeah, and it's pretty much... You know, Ben, the, the, the question for the last year, uh, when any advocate of a new tax has been asked, what are you going to use the money for? There's a million different answers. With the, uh, the multi-state tax, there's one answer. It's pretty clear. We support that. Um, with all these other issues, there's no real plan. If you wanted to improve frequency of service, let's say on the commuter rail that comes in and out of South Station, uh, I believe there's a project... Uh, associated in that vicinity with the post office um, that's creating air rights and some development opportunity. If instead of doing that, we were able to expand the uh, the number of tracks uh, over there, so I'm told, um, you could then increase frequency on that commuter rail line. That's the type of uh, issue we ought to be looking at. But quite frankly, they're probably you know politically fraught with uh, development objections and um you know, I think those are the issues we should highlight. Uh, where are the uh, constraints on expanding frequency and efficiency of existing service? And how do we optimize the technology and rider uh, experience uh, of the existing service um, that people are you know, frustrated with today? Well, let me press you a little bit more. You seem satisfied with the Transportation Climate Initiative because you know where the money is going. But as I understand it, the governor is proposing that half of any money raised would go to transit and half would go to as yet unknown, uh, you know, I, I assume for transportation, but maybe not. It's, it's designed to reduce um, emissions, carbon emissions. But even the money that would go for transit, I don't think he's specified what it would go for necessarily. Like, would it go for commuter rail makeover or the Alston I-90 project or the Red Blue Connector? All of projects that are currently not funded in any, in any real significant way uh, by the state. Am I reading that wrong or, or have I mischaracterized it some way? No, I think, Bruce, you're, you're not off the mark, um, and that's why this pr uh, multi-state project has uh, months to go. Those are important questions, and uh, the governor and other governors have to have a, a specific plan or this ultimately won't be supported. But at the end of the day, this is a lot more focused than any other uh, menu options of different taxes for different purposes 
that don't have inter, any underlying execution strategy um, to achieve those goals uh, behind them. So again, the focus really should be, uh, to your point, I guess, um, demanding that that level of specificity be identified before the legislature in this state or any other state uh, approves a wholesale gas tax. But at the same time, they have a very, very tangible uh, opportunity to send, uh, to unload 18 to $20 billion uh, for over the next five years that they're not acting on. And that's this, this multi-state tax is part of that bill. With that proposal, this is the transportation bond bill, the, uh, some of the fixes to expanding the uh, state's limited project capacity are embedded. And I think if we start loosening or broadening the state's project capacity to deploy more of that money more quickly, we're going to see the, the most beneficial impact of any plan on the table today while we continue to work out what either the next 25-year plan looks like or what we do uh, very specifically and effectively uh, to modernize or, or optimize public transportation to begin uh, supporting the move on people's behavior so they get off the roads and into public transportation or change their work hours or work from home or, you know, there's a series of things that, you know, can be woven in there. So a lot of those things you mentioned are woven into the transportation bond bill. But for our listeners, let's just be clear, that's an authorization to primarily borrow money uh, over the over the next, I think it's five or so years, uh, to do, in many cases, a lot of projects that are already the state is committed to. I mean, that's authorizing the state to borrow money for South Coast Rail, which is already moving ahead. It's authorizing money for a number of projects that are Already, you know, the Green Line extension, municipal bridges, a complete streets program, it's, it's authorizing money that's already sort of planned to spend. Uh, it's not, uh, it has uh, some new money as well, borrowed money to do a lot of initiatives, but it's not a, a big leap, a big transformation of the system as we know it now. Uh, do you agree with that? I totally agree with that. So let's take... Uh, the, the step of uh, passing that legislation to accelerate uh, uh, resources to known projects, maybe in a uh, more uh, speedy function because of the broad broadening of uh, project capacity, and and know that this is being done without raising anybody's uh, cost of driving around the city. These are this is substantial money. If we blow through $20 billion in two and a half years, I think the High Tech Council would be among uh, the first to say, all right, now how do we uh, fill that pipeline uh, and start making meaningful changes for the next generation of commuters? So if I had to sum it up, what I'm hearing then is you want a more step-by-step, somewhat in- not incremental, but you know, uh, steady growth rather than what we're hearing from a lot of your colleagues in the business community and a lot of advocates is for dramatic change. Uh, you're more steady as she goes, keep improving, but don't shoot for the stars. Well, dramatic change uh, being advocated by those proponents that you just mentioned are the same kind of dramatic change that is targeting uh, a redistribution of wealth from the people that are generating 
the success of a private economy. I think the risk here, Bruce, is that uh, overshooting, overtaxing, uh, without a plan to support it, uh, create or, helps create conditions that move Massachusetts uh, closer to Connecticut or New Jersey-like uh, environments that become uh, less uh, or, or more costly uh, to do business in with very little improvement to show for it and uh, begin to create uh, increased pressures on people that live and work here, people who are creating jobs in Massachusetts to consider uh, other locations to bring their uh, the benefit of their private economic endeavors. So look, we're trying to prevent Massachusetts from becoming Connecticut. We're all in favor of the right investments that actually result in solutions that are meaningful. We're not in favor of revenue-centric solutions when uh, all evidence to the contrary, Massachusetts has revenue growth year over year that is um, the envy of the nation. Why isn't more money going into transportation? Because 60% of the current state budget is gobbled up by unfunded pension liability, debt service, and public health care. That's 60% of the state budget. Our growth is going into that category. If we get serious about managing and harnessing the benefits of the revenue growth that comes from a strong private economy so that we can invest in education, transportation, housing, public safety, then we've got to think comprehensively about uh, how we're managing a, a growth economy and what is consuming uh, all of the benefit of that tax revenue growth at the expense of things like transportation. So let's not keep adding taxes for the sake of uh, appeasing those who say we need more tax revenue and tricking people behind the wheel into thinking that that extra gas tax is going to shorten their commute, not by a long shot. So we're trying to think of this uh, uh, not as an isolated tax policy, Bruce. It's part of a more complex series of related activities and policies being considered at the state house that, if taken together, could create conditions that weaken the state's private economy then that'll end up reducing state tax revenue collections and doesn't do anything uh, in a meaningful way to advance transportation improvements. So let's close with going back to where we started a little bit. Um, we were talking right as House leaders are trying to decide what to do in the coming week. Have you been in to see Speaker DeLeo and make this case to him directly, or how have you made your case to the legislature? We've met with... Uh, members of the legislative leadership in the House and the Senate, the administration, on an ongoing basis. They all know exactly where the uh, point of view of the High Tech Council is. And our colleagues that are with us in the business community, they realize there is no unified uh, business support for a gas tax. And quite frankly, I think um, if I were uh, in the legislature getting ready for a 2020 re-election campaign, I'd want to make sure I could answer the question of my voters that any new tax on top of all this great tax revenue growth uh, that I might otherwise be supporting uh, was backed by a really specific, tangible and doable plan to invest. And you think your message is having, a, having an impact with the House leadership? Well, I would encourage the House to uh, take this up in January and uh with that time having passed, they'll have a lot more information, we all will, on, on how the other states are doing and getting behind this multi-state uh, retail or wholesale tax. 
and uh, I would take up the transportation bond bill and send a message to my constituents at home that uh, we're we're sending forth uh, an $18 billion spending plan over the next five years, in addition to future considerations about how we optimize our public transit system and how we think through specific next generation investments that improve our uh, transportation grid. Chris Anderson, the president of the Massachusetts High Technology Council, thank you very much. And to our listeners, we'll see you all next week.